There we go. Well, today we're going to continue, and I thought it was a pretty good message for Independence Day. We're going to talk about self-selfishness in the spirit since we were founded on the Bible, which is, which is um, in itself selfless if we follow the scriptures. But unfortunately, we've gotten away from that. So self, selfishness, and the spirit. Two friends met for dinner at a seafood restaurant and each requested filet of sole. And after a few minutes, the waiter came back with their order. Two pieces of fish, a large one, and a small one. One of the men proceeded to serve his friend. Placing the small piece on a plate, he handed it across the table. Well, you certainly are selfish, said this friend. What's troubling you, asked the other. Look what you've done. You've given me the little piece and kept the big one for yourself. Well, how would you have done it, the man asked. If I were serving, I would have given you the big piece. Well, replied the man, I've got the big piece, don't I? We're back in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth in the early 50 ADs, and during his second, this is during his second missionary journey. And God used Paul's ministry to bring about the birth of a church and establishment of the church in Corinth, even though... There was great opposition to him, but the Lord said he had many people there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Because we did not deserve it. While we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. You died for me. You died for them. And so, God, today, when we come to your word... We ask, number one, that you would open our minds and open our hearts to receive what you would speak to us. And Lord, I ask that you would speak through me. And Lord, we ask that you would put a fire under our rear ends to evangelize those around us and tell them about the good news so that we don't have to see anybody go to hell. We thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Life principle today, if you remember nothing, remember this. Walking in the Spirit 
means getting rid of self. Walking in the Spirit means getting rid of self. Point number one, the believer must walk in the Spirit. We had a nice song about that. Walk in the Spirit. What is, what is that? What does that look like? Well, we're going to find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Let's revisit it a moment. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? For one says, I am a Paul, and another of, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? You know, Paul just got done telling the Corinthian church that those that are Christ's are spiritual. Remember, he said, but we have the mind of Christ last week. Those that are Christ are spiritual, that, that we should have the mind of Christ by being in, the, in His Word, on a daily basis. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now he gives them a scathing rebuke, stating that they should be spiritual and not carnal. Christians, folks, should be in the mind of Christ. They should not be thinking on the carnality of man all around them, and though it is all around us. This applies to us, not just to the Corinthian church. When I look at the Corinthian church, I think of modern America. We are admonished through Scripture time and again to set our minds on the things that are above and not on the temporary trappings of this world. Romans 8, 5 tells us this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. We have two things going on in, this, in our scripture today. Carnality and spirituality. Well, what is spiritual? What does that mean? The word means simply this, to have a pattern of behavior that is like God. To have a pattern of behavior that is like Jesus. And can we do that all the time? Well, the answer is no. But we can be controlled or directed by the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is not a demon. He doesn't just possess you like that and take complete charge of you. He expects you to work with Him. The Scripture tells us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How can someone say they are spiritual if they aren't reading, studying, and allowing the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to illuminate that Word to their understanding. You can't. Like I always say, I can tell you all day long I'm a refrigerator. It don't make me a refrigerator. Why? Even though I'm getting to be as big as one. Why? 
because you don't have the characteristics of a refrigerator. You are a cool 98.6 degrees on average. That's not going to keep your food safe. And to try to put it inside you, that would be eating it, not saving it. You do not have the characteristic of a refrigerator. I do not have the characteristic of whatever refrigeratorness is. So what, what I'm trying to say is, if I say I'm spiritual and I'm not, you can tell. What is carnality? What is carnal? Carnality is human nature without God. Carnality is human nature without God. It's a sin. It is sin. It's all about your base desires being met and then some because you're never satisfied. It is about whatever feels good, do it. It is worldly. It is selfishness personified. Ever notice that babies are born inherently selfish? It's all about them. All about what they want. You have to teach them as they grow up how not to be that way. You have to teach them how to be selfless. And you have to teach them about Christ. And hopefully, one day, they will accept Christ and become regenerate. But the problem is today is we, we've had a couple of generations now who have forgotten about God. And so their lives are all about self and selfishness. What they want. No one else matters. So what are they learning? Well, they're not learning selflessness. They're learning selfishness. When they already learned it, now they've got selfishness to the max. So who's teaching the children to behave that way? To behave selflessly? Is it the schools? No. Is it the government? Definitely not. It should be us, the church, all around this nation. But how can they, how can we, when we as Christians are acting selfish ourselves. And it's hard not to sometimes, because carnality is always around us. We're bombarded with it. TV, news, magazines, cell phones. You know, a lot of people today, myself included sometimes, we feel self-conscious. We don't want to really put ourselves out there. So what do we do? We grab our phones and we do this. So nobody will talk to us. Oh, come on now. Some of y'all know it. You don't believe me, go watch a teenager. Well, I know you don't have a cell phone. You're the, you're the minority. <laughs> Galatians 5.13 For you, brethren, have been called to liberty... Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." 
For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. This is not a comprehensive list. And the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If your life is marked by one of these things, if that's what people see when they look at you, you're not saved and you need Jesus. If your entire life is all about the flesh, then you better check your salvation in Christ. Does he know you? We're given a warning about this in Matthew chapter 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. That's sobering. Am I of the kind that looks like a Christian sometimes, but really my life is marked by one of those other things? Or am I of the kind that actually belongs to Christ? Because if I belong to Christ, I'm going to begin to grow in Christ. And if I'm growing in Christ, I'm going to do the things that Christ wants me to do. Yes, you're going to struggle with sin. But that doesn't mean that it defines you when someone looks at you. They say there's something different about you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I'm a Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? You know what I find interesting about this church is that it saw itself as spiritual. And we'll find out more about this later because it had a lot of what's called the spiritual gifts happening in it which we will look at later, probably around uh, chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14. We get into it and then slowly go out of it. What were they doing? Well, they were focused on what call, Paul calls the gifts of the Spirit, what the, in the Greek says charismata, where we get our charismatic movement today. They were speaking in tongues, they were prophesying, they were claiming healings and the like in their churches. But you know what? We've got some churches like that today. And you know what? I've seen God do healings and miracles, but not in those. I've seen it happen in Baptist churches. We followed James. James says, call on the elders of the church. 
and anoint him with oil. I've seen that done. I've done that. I saw a man, he had a, a CT or an X-ray or whatever, and they were going to have to go in and unblock an artery or a vein or an artery or something. And then all of a sudden the doctor said, hey, I need to do another one of these just to make sure I know where I'm cutting. And they did another one, and lo and behold, there were two, and you're only supposed to have one. That's a miracle. That's a true miracle, verifiable miracle. Not some splashy thing on TV. These splashy gifts seem so amazing that people mistook and mistake the miraculous sign and wonders for them being spiritual. And that's not what spirituality is. The gifts are separate from the fruit. And how do we know if it's a true gift? Look at the fruit. We're called to be fruit inspectors. A gift is given. Transformation is to become more and more like Christ. That's grown. Sanctification is a big long word, which means Christ is cleaning us up. And he's going to do that throughout your entire life. It's a process. It's a process of relationship with Christ and with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Through the word and prayer. The two key things that I believe are missing from churches all around the nation. I don't care what denomination you are. It's missing. Their character was not up to par with what they were portraying themselves. According to the scripture, they were being carnal. And we see this all the time in churches across America and around the world. We see selfishness raising its ugly head everywhere. Have you ever noticed that churches today who claim they have the spiritual gifts, just like the Corinthians tended to have, they have a lot of babes in Christ. They don't, when I look at them, I don't see them progressing. It's like they hit a plateau, most of them. Why? Because they're focusing on the gifts and not the giver. You see, God the Father and God the Son, I mean, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit point to the Son every time. But they talk about the Spirit all the time, and they've turned Him in to a force. Well, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is not Star Wars. He is not a force. He is a He, the third in the Trinity. You can go to some of these churches and not hear the name of Christ spoken more than at the end of a prayer. Then it's all about a particular gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'll say most of the time, what they call a gift of God is nothing but carnality on display. Sometimes I think it's even demonic, false signs and wonders, because he warned us of that, didn't he? Every gift, if it's truly a gift, and not just man-made or done in a hypnotic trance, was given to the church to point the unsaved to Jesus Christ. Not to be splashy and look at me. It was to point to Jesus Christ what He did for us, and what He continues to do for us on a daily basis. Like I said before, the Father points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is 
the Redeemer. He is the Savior. Everything here is a temporary thing. It is all passing away, but not our redemption. That's eternal. Hey, I got news for you. Lazarus, who rose from the dead, he died again. That's temporary. How can we tell if a church is carnal then? Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, if you are still carnal, if you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal when behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? They were splitting. He says, if there is envy, if there is strife, is there a division in a church, then that church has people working in their carnality. And they are babes in Christ, if they're even in Christ. You know what starts the envy, the strife, and division? And I thank God we don't have this problem as far as I know. And if we do, don't tell me. Gossip. Now, per- now preacher, you just went from preaching to meddling. Gossip. Be careful. My favorite thing was is for years we used to say, let's have a testimony time. And then testimony time turned into prayer time. And then prayer time turned into gossip time. Now y'all pray for so-and-so and I'm going to spend an hour telling y'all about their business. We don't need to know all about their business. We need to know Jesus. If you want to give us a Uh, something you need to be prayed for, and you want to talk about it, what's going on in your life, that's great. But don't tell me about your second cousin twice removed down the road and all their business. Don't want to know it. The example Paul gives them is the division amongst them that they created this. They were saying, hey, I'm a Paul, or I'm of Apollos. They were splitting Now, I'm going to tell you a little story, and it's a true story. To their shame, I had some people coming to a a church where I was an associate minister at the time. And they were mad at the senior pastor. About what? I don't even remember anymore. You see, they would come to my Sunday school class, which was like we do here. Everybody come in the sanctuary that wants to, and you got a Sunday school class here, and you got a Sunday school class back there, and all these Sunday school classes. But they would come to mine, which was a sanctuary class, And they would sit there, and when the Sunday school class was over, they'd promptly get up and walk out because they were mad at the pastor. They caused all kinds of division, havoc. They lied about one another, and they caused a split over this and a couple of other things. And they tried to get people to side with the... the, senior pastor or myself, and I wasn't even a part of this. I don't care. I told him, you need to come to church, not just Sunday school. They tried to get people to side. And now most of this, I didn't find out about a lot of it until after they were already disfellowshipped from the congregation. When they left, they took a group of people with them. They split the church. Was the problem the pastor? Well, maybe he did do something to tick them off. 
Did they do something to tick him off? Probably. But neither one of them tried to make amends. Scripture says, bring your gift to the altar, and if your brother has something against you, leave it at the altar and go to them and make amends, and then offer your gift. And unfortunately, that's what happened. Now I say all that to say this. Don't let your flesh dictate your thinking and your actions. Don't let your flesh dictate your thinking and your actions. Walk in the Spirit so that you do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We just read that scripture. Now, if you're about to get mad at someone or something, ask yourself one important question. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Does whatever, insert whatever you're mad about here, have eternal value? Are you mad about the color of the pews? Does it have eternal value? No? Then hush. Sorry. If you're mad at me about that, you can talk to me afterward, all right? We'll make amends. I actually had, some of y'all remember this, I actually had a, uh, when I was growing up, the church I was growing up in was a Baptist church, and one, one deacon wanted to move a sprinkler head from here to over there. And the other deacon didn't want him to do that. They got almost into a fist fight over that outside. And then they started splitting the congregation. And then one got mad and took a group with him over a sprinkler head. That's what started it. I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> We're not getting into that, brother. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Anyway, if it doesn't have any eternal value, hush. <laughs> if it doesn't have any eternal value, get over it. Move on. Point number two, selfishness has no place in the life of the believer at all. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters is one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Divisions. Did you know divisions even happened between John the Baptist supporters and Jesus? Did you know that? John chapter 3, verse 25. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciple came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. And John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less. Unless he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. 
We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Now, I got some news for you, brothers and sisters. It's going to blow your mind. Are you ready? You ready to have your life changed? Your life is not about you. Did you know that? Your life is not about you. It is lived for and because of Jesus. If you're His, then your life belongs to Him. Don't be selfish when you don't even own yourself. Jesus owns you. Jeremiah 10.23 says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves. John the Baptist knew that his life was to make way for Jesus. He said he must increase and I must decrease. Folks, if that's not your attitude as well, then it needs to be. It ain't about me, it's about Him. Is what I am doing with my life that He's given me a little bit of control over here what Jesus desires, what Jesus wants me to do? Am I doing my calling? Some people have come up to me and they say, Brother, I don't know what God wants me to do. What's the last thing He told you to do? Well, 20 years ago He told me to teach Sunday school, and did you? No. Then go teach Sunday school. 20 years ago, he told me to go teach Sunday school. And did you? Yeah. Did he tell you to do something else? No. Keep teaching Sunday school. You get it? Am I doing my calling? And everything I do, am I pointing to Jesus Christ, though? Or am I getting the big head? So big you fall over. Now, she's not in here, so I'm going I'm to tell you a little story. My daughter was born 10 pounds, 13 ounces, and her head was twice the size of her body. I swear it was. At birth, she could lift her head up a little bit. Okay? But she finally grew into that head about three years old. I'm just kidding. It was about one year old. But she grew into that head. Don't get the big head. Don't tell her I said that either. She's back there with Mama. <clears throat> she hates it when I use her in sermons. <laughs> and everything I do in my pointing to Jesus Christ. Am I putting anyone or anything in my life before the Lord? Some people have placed their boats, their cars, their motorhomes, their motorcycles on the throne of their lives. Folks, that spot belongs to Jesus only. No one else. Don't do that. But you know what else? You can't put Jesus on that throne unless you're saved. Because if you aren't truly saved, you can't truly put Jesus on your heart. Throne. Throne of your heart. Some people think they are, but they aren't. Well, brother, well, pastor, I was baptized, so I know I'm good. Well, let me tell you something about your baptism. If you weren't saved by Jesus Christ through faith alone, let me tell you something about that baptism. You went down a dry center, and you know what happened? You came up a wet one. Baptism don't save you. Being a church member or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher won't save you. No amount of works will save you. 
Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know what else? Let me tell you something, a little secret. Your favorite teacher, your favorite preacher, or your favorite evangelist can't save you. Only Jesus can do that. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.7, It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Your favorite teacher, they're going to be rewarded for their hard work if it's done in Christ. But as for who should be followed and who gets the credit, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who gets the credit. That's Jesus Christ alone. A lot of people will say, man, I love the words of Spurgeon. They'll just keep quoting and quoting and quoting him. Great, you got an intellectual knowledge. You like C.H. Spurgeon, good for you. I like him too. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? That's the question. As the ladies come, okay, I guess Joe went to the restroom. As the ladies come eventually here, let me ask you a question. Did you know adults get so wrapped up in what we've put our lives in for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I was talking to someone a while back. I think they were a Mormon or whatever, and I was, I was trying to share with them the gospel. And they were actually honest with me. I've got too much invested in this to become... A Baptist. I said, I don't want you to become a Baptist. I want you to become a Christian. Well, I am a Christian. No, you're not. Let's talk about it. Just went in this round and round circle. They didn't want to listen because they had so much invested in what they were in. Sometimes we have so much invested in our sin that we don't want to become a Christian because then we would be held accountable to somebody. We don't want to be accountable. See, kids, they don't have all that time. So we see a lot of conversion in kids compared to adults. But the question is, whether it's by live stream, recording, or here today in the sanctuary, will you let go of whatever it is that you've got so much invested into to not just become a Christian, not just become a follower of Christ and, and what you're currently doing, but to say, Lord, I want to spread the good news. How can I do that in my situation? I've got too much invested into my friends. They don't know I go to church. They need to know Jesus. But I've got too much invested in my friends. Well, if they don't know there's something different about you, I've got a problem. You've got a problem. You need Jesus. You see, too often, we, we like to put God in a box. This is my Sunday life. This is my Monday through Saturday life. And, and then when I come to Sunday, I'm, I am who I am, you know. 
Uh, give up your life. Become a follower of Christ daily seeking Him. If you don't know that you know that you know that when you die and you open your eyes that you're going to wake up in glory, then you're going to wake up in hell and you need Jesus. I can introduce you to Jesus today. It can be as simple as, Jesus, I need you. Because it's not about what you say. It's about your heart. It's about the inside. If you're one of these Christians who, have, who has, maybe even without even realizing it, started to put God in a little box, this is who I am on Sundays, but not through the rest of the week, then you need to repent. You need to come to Christ again and say, Lord, I know that I'm saved, but man, I can't believe I find myself here. Forgive me. And start sharing the gospel. If you've become complacent or apathetic in your life and you can't remember the last time somebody prayed with you to receive Jesus Christ or the last time that you even invited somebody to pray with you to receive Jesus or given the gospel or invited somebody to church even, then you need to repent. And like Jesus said, go back to your first love and do the things you did in the beginning. If that's you today, or if you want to join this church by letter, by statement of baptism, I'm up here. If you want special prayer, I'm up here too. I'll pray with you as we stand and sing the invitation song. Miss Joe.